Souls running in color, color, color. Kick the lies that they wonder, wonder, wonder. Break the pressure that I'm under, under, under. Straight stunning in color, color, color. Welcome to The Color Within, a podcast by Subi People that explores the brilliant, colorful assets that people bring to the world and the environments they spend the most time in, including the workplace, community neighborhoods, and more. All while navigating a world with color codes. I'm Lydia, your host, and join us in this episode where we talk with Lauren, who is a lover of stories and works at a hospital system. We'll explore the color she holds within and how to get to the root of becoming a more equitable society. Join us. All right. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Lydia. to be here yeah it's good to see you and you know starting off here um can you tell us more about where you're from and more about your ethnic heritage i hail from san jose california born and raised in the bay area i um, went to school there through college and I'm African-American. A friend asked me today, well, are your parents from America? What about your grandparents? I said, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. (laughs) Um, My mother's from Louisiana. My father's from Missouri. So our our heritage is African-American as far back as we can trace. Very awesome. And if you could pick one color, the color of your soul, what would that color be? Coral. <laughs> Coral <Yes>. is <laughs> the color of my soul. Yeah. It's, it's my new favorite color. It's it's warm. It's bright. It's mm. has a sort of tropical um, summertime uh, look to it. It's mm-hmm. it's happy. It's <laughs> somewhat feminine, and it's. Uh, the color of sunsets it's it's a beautiful color i love that i love that and what positive qualities do people say that you have people say that i'm kind um that i'm a yes. good listener that i can be articulate <laughs> and uh can express myself well in writing. Um, people say that I'm I'm a sweet person. <laughs> yes. And you know what? What are you passionate about? I am passionate about learning the reality behind other people's lives. Um, Mm. I recognize that every person is unique, coming Mm -hmm. from a unique social and spiritual and like geographical and ethnic background. And Mm -hmm. I love to learn those stories and the things that make other people come alive and give them meaning. Mm 
Um, so part of that plays out in my work, but that means I like to read stories. I like to watch stories. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm into um, things that um, touch people's hearts and yeah. That's amazing. And yes, can you tell us more about your work? What, what do you do day to day for work? I'm a hospital chaplain. So mm -hmm. my work is to visit people in the hospital and learn their stories. <laughs> what mm -hmm. are they going through in the moment? What have they been through in the past? What are they looking to in the future? I, my work is to support people when they're, when they're sick. Yeah, that's amazing. And have you ever experienced, you know, just at work, somebody seeing you with all of your talents, all of the gifts that you bring to the table, and really took the time to champion you and, and to help you grow? Yes, I have been blessed with amazing mentors in my workplaces. Mm. From my very first job, um, before college, I I had a great mentor and then during college, uh, a woman took me under her wing and um, right now I have fabulous support um, mm, from my awesome. direct boss, from my, uh, the, the director of our spiritual care department and from my certified educator in my chaplaincy training program. I have amazing mm. support, amazing encouragement. I actually just completed an interview yesterday mm. where I applied for level two chaplaincy um, educational status. And this team of women unanimously said, yes, we encourage you to move Yay. forward. We encourage you to use your gifts. Congratulations. We encourage you to continue to grow where you need to grow. And I've just received fabulous support and I, and I would be remiss to forget my pastor for the past 10 years who has been mm. uh, such a help and a, like a father to me and a friend and a uh, co-worker. It's, I've had wonderful support from my, from my pastor and church community as well. So I'm really rich in, people who've believed in me and supported me. That's amazing. And congratulations on on the job moving up in the job. That's awesome. And yeah. And have you ever like while you were at work, just doing your work as a chaplain, um, have you ever experienced inequality or seen another person experience inequality at the workplace? You know, I thankfully have not had a lot of direct experiences of inequality, mm -hmm. but I did have a patient encounter some weeks ago where I felt that one of our, our young CNAs was being mistreated by a patient who, mm -hmm. um, some another generation, an older generation and a different ethnic background. And this CNA was labeled as disrespectful because she mm. didn't, she wasn't wearing the clothes that hmm. this woman from another generation 
and another culture felt were necessary for for a nurse and that patient very rudely to me <laughs> said um, well that's not right and I just can't believe a person would dress like this and and, and the mm. CNA was simply wearing um, uh, casual pants and a sweatshirt and it was it was appropriate and not offensive to me but mm. um, this patient expected her to look another way and uh you know in that moment i i sort of froze <laughs> i thought what what do i say but i i don't want our cna to feel demeaned because she doesn't look the part and and i just said to to the patient you know the times may change but the care is the same and I actually repeated it because I may not have been speaking loud enough the first time. And I said, times may change, but the care is the same. Um, and it really just brought back to my memory the times when I have felt uh, demeaned or disrespected because I didn't look the part. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. It reminded me of feeling judged at time because my hair didn't look the part or yeah. my clothing didn't look the part to fit into my Christian culture. And um, mm -hmm. I, I, I spent a lot of years trying to fit in and look apart the part so people would accept me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've come to realize that, you know, we may not look the part to someone else because we all come from different places. And um, absolutely, I, I have to respect how they see the world. But I also have to respect who I am and where I come from and what I know to be true about myself, which is not dependent necessarily on looking the part for someone else. Mm. So that's something triggered by that brief experience in my workplace. Um, but thankfully, I haven't experienced too much more that was very overt. Yes. Yes, thank you for sharing that. And can you share with me a little bit more about what you're accepting about yourself now? Because I know as humans, you know, we're always evolving, we're always learning new things about ourselves and always growing. So I'm just curious to hear more about your journey there. Oh, that's such a, a good question for this moment in my life. Um, one of the things that I'm accepting about myself is, may seem pretty basic, but I realize I spent a lot of years trying to deny um, or sort of avoid the fact that I was African-American, <laughs> mm -hmm. that I was a woman, <laughs> mm -hmm. that I was from California, and that I was a younger person coming from a, a different generation than maybe the older generation that had mentored me. I, I spent a lot of time trying not to be who I was <laughs> in those very mm -hmm. basic ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I'm accepting that I come from California and that good things come from California. <laughs> it's not a forgotten state. <laughs> I'm accepting that I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a woman, I, um, <laughs> I can, I can still serve the Lord and be a minister and a representative of yes. Christ. Yes. Like, like Mary. <laughs> yes. And I, I can share about Jesus as a woman. Um, I'm accepting that I'm African American and I come from a history of amazing people who have also come from slaves and my experience in in this world has has been unique because of that and mm -hmm. I'm accepting that I was raised in a, a black American church and where we sang mm -hmm traditional black American spirituals and contemporary gospel music. And mm. we clapped our hands <laughs> and we <laughs> moved to the beat. <laughs> I'm accepting that <laughs> about my spiritual heritage and loving that That's rather awesome. than trying to conform to another cultural ideal of what worship is to be i'm yes. accepting who i am and where i've come from wow i mean just listening to you i i hear a theme of courage you know just bravery um the way that you stood up for the cna in that room um sometimes it's hard to speak up in those moments and to be able to to also speak up personally you know and come from a very internal and a place of solitude you know where you can really um take the time to um embrace you know everything that you are because it's so easy it's so easy to want to be something else i mean i re i resonate with that when you said that you know growing up in colorado you know most of the people did not look like me so it definitely um it takes a toll you know to say yes i'm i'm you know i love being from africa you know i love that we spoke another language these other parts of heritage and just you know enjoying those parts so i just i really appreciate um your journey and i'm curious to know if you could share with me like the part about embracing your african-american heritage um, what does it mean to you to be African-American? That's a good question. Uh, for me, being African-American has always been connected with my, um, my spirituality mm -hmm. and my experience of God. And, and that's purely based on my experience. Uh, growing up in a predominantly white suburb in California, uh, Mm -hmm. The place where I actually saw other black people was at church. Mm. And so I began to associate um, God <laughs> with black people and, <laughs> and worship with black people. And when I finally got to college, I was like, 
can you worship God outside of the black community? <laughs> like, is that possible? <laughs> I had to know. <laughs> and it, maybe that's why I've ended up moving to Walla Walla and ministering among people who are predominantly not black <laughs> because mm -hmm. I just really wanted to see if the spirit of God was enough to connect me to people outside of the culture. Mm. And, and I found that it has been, but for me, my blackness has always been associated with my worship of God and especially the music that came from my African-American church. Um, like I said, it was, it was a range of music. There was the, the spirituals and then mm -hmm. there were the more contemporary songs and right. even the youthful fun songs that we would <laughs> dance to and worship was um, so joyful. And I often think about how I coped with like grief when I was younger, losing my dad when I was younger, change mm -hmm. in my life. And it was through the music and the mm. messages of the gospel songs that I learned. When I went to choir practice, you know, I could raise my hands or clap my hands and move my body. And I've learned that all of that um, are powerful ways to release trauma or to, to, to work mm. through trauma and to express emotions and get them yes. from being stuck in your body and stuck in your shoulders and stuck in your right. neck and your stomach right. to release them. And that was something I was doing on a regular basis in my, mm -hmm. in my African-American worship uh, environment. And that, that music, that movement, those messages of encouragement that mm -hmm. you're going to be all right, you're going to make it. God is good. God is the comforter. All of that just really helped me to cope and yeah. planted seeds of faith in me. And so for, for me, my African-American roots are, you know, it's, are really, um, I really connect to the spirituality of my church. And I, I know that's not the case for everyone. We, I'll have different things which stand us stand out to us about our culture, but for me, it, it's been the worship that's come out of uh, my heritage. That's, that's amazing. Carried me. Yes, that's amazing. And you know, it's amazing how powerful music is. I mean, it's just it touches our souls, and um, and I understand that you have written a poem as well. Um, would you uh, be open to sharing that with us? Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've written a couple poems, mm -hmm. but um, one is about womanhood, but mm -hmm. the other is about my Black identity and, and just reckoning with the fact that though I was raised in a in a black family and went to a black church for years i didn't mm -hmm. really engage with that part of my ex identity or my experience and so shortly after george floyd died uh, mm -hmm. my boss at work asked me to like speak about it mm. and i took a minute i took a couple minutes <laughs> and i thought to myself 
I haven't talked about race in years, and now I'm being asked to speak about it. Why is this so hard? And why haven't I done this before? So as I reflected, this is what I wrote. I haven't talked about race for years. I'm an African-American studies major, but I haven't talked about race for years. I was raised in an African-American Baptist church singing Negro spirituals and Kirk Franklin, but I haven't talked about race for years. My mother was born and raised in Louisiana in the 50s, and my father was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri at the same time, but I haven't talked about race for years. I never ate pumpkin pie until college. I only knew sweet potato, <laughs> but I haven't talked about race for years. Growing up, my black best friend and I would wear bright pink parkas to school, trying to blend in with the crowd of other ethnicities. But I haven't talked about race for years. My hair is thick. No, my hair is kinky. My hair is coarse. My hair is in an afro. <laughs> but I haven't talked about race for years. My skin is brown like cinnamon and maple wood, but I haven't talked about race for years. I've lived in small town America for the past 10 years where black people make up less than 3% of the population. And I haven't talked about race for years. I've learned that many of the dearest people around me are Republicans and Trump supporters. And I haven't talked about race for years. I have three tall, brown, handsome, intelligent, successful black brothers, and I haven't talked about race for years. I have countless cousins, uncles, and friends who also fit this description, and I haven't talked about race for years. I've heard of countless incidents of police brutality, racial profiling, and outright murder of innocent black people, and I haven't talked about race for years. George Floyd is killed by a police officer for no cause I or the world can see or justify. And now I'm invited to talk about race, but I haven't talked about race for years. How do you talk about something many refuse to admit has any impact on life as we know it at all? How do you talk about something so fluid and socially constructed? How do you talk about the root issue behind racism, groupism, elitism, and any mentality that creates an us versus them dynamic? How do we root out favoritism, prejudice, and fear? Starts by talking about it. The black, brown, red, yellow, and white elephant that has ever existed in the places where we meet. It starts by acknowledging it is there even if we claim not to care what color it is. It starts by talking about the damage its present has wrought in the daylight, even if we claim never to have seen its presence the night before. It starts by talking about the experiences of others whose worldview may be foreign to yours. It starts by being real about the frustration, the damage, to body, soul, property, and legacy this elephant has caused. 
It starts by acknowledging that a change in action takes a change in thought, which takes a change in heart. Who or what can change the heart? For me, this is a question that only experience, dialogue, spirituality, and faith can answer. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing, Lauren. Um, and I feel like so many of us have that shared experience, you know, um, people of color. We go on about our daily lives and we're not talking about it. And this is, you know, George Floyd, he's opened up this great opportunity where it's become mainstream, you know, to talk about it. And um, I'm thankful for, I am thankful for the pandemic where it's created this quiet space for us to to speak and that that poem was just so beautiful um i love you coming and being vulnerable about that um and what was the response uh, when you shared that at work <laughs> i started with my few co-workers handful of co-workers and they they received it mm. you know what now that I think about it, I didn't share this after I wrote it. <laughs> I shared Still I Rise because I wasn't ready to share it with my co-workers. Mm. But sometime later, I shared it with a select few. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they loved it. Mm. And they appreciated it. And my, um, my supervisor for my chaplaincy training, she shared it with... Um, the association of clinical pastoral educators and it kind of went throughout that national community and people from around the country responded to me and said thank you for sharing this thank you for opening this conversation thank you for setting the table in the way you did and for opening us to talk about these things in a way that wasn't like judgmental or this is what you have to think, but right. it just invited others to consider based on, on your experience and how you're beginning to consider these issues. And so people have told me that it, it's been uh, a good way to begin conversation and they've shared it at the beginning of staff meetings and reflections during their, their meeting times as they consider the issues of race in America, as I'm That's considering amazing. these issues. Yes. That's amazing. I'm so thankful that you created that poem. And, you know, there was one line too, where you talk about the root, the root of the problem, um, elitism um, that causes people to be divided and you have us versus them. When we think about that, in your eyes, what does the solution look like? Like, what does a more equitable society um, look like, and how do we how do we get to the root of that problem? Now, that's a good question. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, for me, I have, like, since college, I have always thought that the answer was in in Christ 
the answer was in God. The answer was in mm-hmm. softening a person's heart toward toward God and, and then in turn toward other people. But I recognize now that many people who have opened their hearts to Christ and God still don't see race as an important issue. Racial reconciliation is still a challenge among Christians. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that opening of the heart, that vulnerability towards God and others is is important. But I also think it, it, it requires curiosity about other people's experiences because for me that's what the issue really is do we care about how things affect other people we Mm -hmm. we can go through an experience and be fine with it because it doesn't impact us but what about the people who are impacted and what does it mean for them that's what that curiosity is what begins to build bridges and understanding. And I think as people have those kinds of conversations and hear where another person's coming from, even if it's completely different from where, where they do, like that's where we start to build some understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think the more real people we know <laughs> Mm-hmm. who come from different backgrounds, the, the better it is to reduce the the prejudice and the fear. But I, I don't think it's possible to, to get through life in this country without having some measure of prejudice or mm-hmm. racial um, misunderstandings. And But it's about acknowledging them, talking about them, working through them. But a person yes. has to be willing to do that. And it requires a lot of vulnerability. Like, yes. it's hard for me to admit my own <laughs> racism, my own prejudice, my own preferences. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's going to take that on, on all sides to, to really begin to, to heal but it yes. begins with curiosity about the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it reminds me of the quote where it talks about that Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. Um, and obviously, you know, some people, most people go to church on Sundays. Obviously, uh, Adventists go to church on Saturdays. Um, and it's also segregated on Saturdays as well, can be very segregated. Um, and even though all these laws have been done away with, there's still that separation there. And um, to your point, you know, people can still claim to follow. And in their minds, maybe that's all they know. And they just are blind to, as you're saying, other people's experiences. They're they don't have the empathy or curiosity, as you said, to explore other people's experience. Um, my question would be, should that exploration, that curiosity be a part of spiritual life? Definitely. Completely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 
I speak about it. I preach about it. I believe it. My mm -hmm. own spirituality has been profoundly changed because I was challenged to consider racial reconciliation as a part mm -hmm. of my Christian experience. That mm -hmm. was the ground for even the fact that I'm, I'm living in, in Walla Walla today because I didn't want to to limit my um, my 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 view of the world to 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 only that that I knew within my cultural group. As much as mm -hmm. I love and respect it, I I didn't want to be limited by that worldview because there's so many others, and I yeah. wanted to learn and know and and begin to engage with people and. I, I believe spirituality um, must begin to value um, ex looking at our, our cultural differences and not seeking to dominate them or change them necessarily, but, but to understand, yeah, there's a lot of healing mm -hmm. that spirituality can offer for um, cultural identity. Uh, so I, I do believe that God made everyone in their uniqueness and their unique cultures and, and colors and nations. Like God is yeah. not a, offended by our differences, but sometimes we are. We are. Right. Right. <laughs> and maybe people are afraid of what they don't know. And, and, you know, if you were to imagine just in a sanctified way, um, you know, if Jesus were here now in 2020, um, how would he approach these racial challenges? That's a great question to consider. <laughs> I think he would continue to draw people's attention to the kingdom of God. I'm not sure that he would devote the majority of his energy to making a utopia, a racial utopia on earth. Um, mm. I think he would keep pointing people to the kingdom of heaven where people actually do live in brotherhood and sisterhood and their various differences and uniqueness are celebrated. Mm -hmm. I know it, it sounds escapist, but <laughs> I think the kingdom of heaven, um, the better country is what is important to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm thinking of Hebrews 11, like they, they're looking for a better country that is a heavenly. And if, you know, they, the patriarchs <laughs> and then prophets could have devoted their energy to 
making this world their home, but they recognized it wasn't. That doesn't mean they didn't make the grass greener as they passed through, but it, right. but it means that <laughs> they, they knew that the ultimate solution was not going to be found in the brokenness of this world. Um, it's going to take a whole new change, um, whole new world, whole new um, mm -hmm. creation. And it's, as I say this, I recognize that, you know, it's, this is not just a pie in the sky theology. Well, just be happy now because later it'll be better. No, I think we can do something now. But when I think about Jesus and the limited time that he had and the three and a half years of work he had to do, he reminded people that this world was not their home um, with the time that he had on this earth. Yeah. Wow. Well, Lauren, I have learned so much from you today. I just want to thank you for sharing your experiences and thank you so much for joining Thank you for inviting me, Lydia. Thank you for tuning in and join us in the next episode of The Color Within.